Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're going to be talking about learning to love ourselves and how that can lead us to finding love. And I'm joined by someone who I think is a world expert in this field. She's a therapeutic coach. She's the founder of the School of Self-Love. And her first book was The Self-Love Affair, A Woman's Guide to a Daring and Mighty Life. Welcome to the show, Katie Phillips. Hey, Clarissa. Thank you so much for having me. And I love, I'll never tire of hearing daring and mighty life. (laughs) No, I just go, yes, when I hear that. (laughs) I'm so delighted because self-love is something that is pretty hard to find, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a journey in its own right. It's definitely not a destination. It's a choice. It's a daily practice to choose it. It is. And We're going to be talking a lot in this show about what it's like to find love when we're not 25, but when we're maybe 40 or older. How, Katie, did you even get to be in the space being so passionate about midlife women? Well, because I am one, I suppose. I mean, I'll be 47 very soon. And it's interesting because when I hit perimenopause, I was 43. And it completely came out of the blue. And it surprised me that I was having all of these symptoms, which I didn't remotely relate to perimenopause. In fact, I didn't even know what perimenopause was. I'd never heard the word, which in this day and age, I think is quite shocking. And for someone like me, that is a transformational and therapeutic coach that works with women, it really shocked me that I didn't know what the term perimenopause was. And the symptoms I was experiencing were super uncomfortable. And my first experience was massive anxiety, awful anxiety that was kind of spiraling into almost into a depression. And there was no, in inverted commas, there's no reason for it. You know, life was good. I'd finally met my soulmate and we were in our sort of first year getting to know each other. And suddenly I was feeling anxious. I started getting terrible cystic acne. I was 43, you know, acne, night sweats were horrendous. And I started talking with some girlfriends who are a little bit older and they would, they joked like, oh, darling, it's, it's menopause. It's perimenopause. And I was like, what on earth is that? And I'm 43. You've got to be kidding me. It began a journey of 
of exploration. And it was so eye-opening and, and so empowering. And I be, just became so passionate about women understanding what was going on in their bodies. And this isn't my expertise. I mean, I have a different expertise, but I have an all-female community. And I thought, my goodness, if I didn't understand it and I was struggling, they must be too. And unfortunately, Katie, your story isn't unusual. I mean, everybody's unique. I think this shock, this not knowing what's going on. And you described a lot of my symptoms too, because I became highly anxious. And it's very frightening, actually, that we become almost locked inside ourselves. And we think, my goodness, you know, panic attacks, anxious about everything. And unfortunately, I'd had, you know, sort of deep acne for many years when I was a teenager, and I wasn't very happy when it was resurfaced. And so those things knock our confidence as well. And if we are, you know, new in relationships, or we're looking for a new relationship, the fact that we are hot and sweaty at night, that we are anxious, and that means that we're anxious in the relationship, and maybe we don't feel our beautiful selves, it can really impact us, can't it, in the way we seek love, and our whole confidence, our whole self is rocked. Oh my goodness, absolutely. And for me to have only been in the first year of a brand new relationship, which I'd been a single parent for eight years leading into that. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation. That was a journey in its own right, preparing to to call him in. And then this wonderful, fabulous, gorgeous human arrives into my life and we're beginning this love affair together and, and joining our families together and moving in together. And, and I'm suddenly having to sleep wrapped in towels and with acne and I thought, oh my God, <laughs> you know, this isn't, doesn't feel very fair, but it, 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 he proved his, his worth and, you know, he is a truly empowered man and he loved me through it and continues to. So those men do exist. <laughs> That's a good point. They do, they do exist. I have one, I have one too. So, you know, and somebody who can actually step away from some of those physical things and still see the person and support the person. Yeah, absolutely. But for me, the most empowering piece was the information and understanding what was going on in my body. First and foremost, just just that awareness. I thought, oh, thank goodness, I'm not going crazy. I'm not because I had a and this is how I, I came to, you know, found something like the school of self love and be doing the work I'm doing is I, I always had this fear that I was going to end up like my mum. And she took her own life when she was 49. And I found, you know, I'd done all of this. And I've been on such a healing journey and such a deep spiritual awakening in previous years that I didn't suffer anxiety anymore. And I was no longer codependent. And, I, and I'd healed so many pieces that to find myself again, anxious and just feeling awful and becoming like my mom, because in her last couple years, which is why she ended up taking her own life, her anxiety and depression had reached such a state and it was never treated. No one ever said to my mom, because I can see now in retrospect, she obviously was in perimenopause, but she was being treated only for clinical depression and given lots of drugs. I think that if she had have had the awareness and the holistic support that is now available to women now, her, her story would have been very different. And I feel very strongly and very passionate about this because of that. You know, I, I, I spent many, many years thinking, oh, my mom died. She committed suicide because she had clinical depression. Actually, 
I'm starting to see. <laughs> and because of my own experience of perimenopause and how it's affected me in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways, and it, and it continues to change and evolve and it, its own sort of creature, <laughs> this perimenopause, she didn't need to suffer. Had she had the awareness and the holistic support that we now have, she didn't, I, I really, I think she'd still be here with us. Yes. And, I, and that's such a sad story. And you're right that today there is help available. And, you know, people like Professor Kulkarni at the University of Sydney is very much at the forefront on her work on moods, emotions, estrogen, and what is going on in women's bodies at a very deep level. And that we can, through hormone therapy and other medication and proper therapy and support and in many, many ways help women. But going back 20, 30, 40 years, that just wasn't there. Women weren't, were given just medication and pushed away. But yeah, and I can see how much that's inspired you. And I think many of us are here also because our own mothers have had such difficult journeys or our friends or sisters. And we're all empowered to want to change the conversation so that not only women of this generation, but those coming behind us are going to have a considerably less troublesome period in this in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Awareness is the first step to change, isn't it? I mean, your podcast is a, a prime example of incredible support to women and creating that awareness, helping them through this time. Exactly. And that's why it's here. It's here so that we can listen and learn and we can hear stories like yours and your families and other people's and know that when we feel the way we feel, it's perfectly valid to have anxiety to develop these things. We're not strange. We're not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with us. It's a very common series of, of problems and symptoms, but we can also reach out and take proactive action ourselves as well as to seek informed advice. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about why self-love is such an important part of the whole journey to dating, particularly as maybe we get older and we're carrying a lot more baggage around with us. Well, right. That's a piece, isn't it? I, I like to flip that belief, though, because that is a big block to a lot of women believing they can have well, it could be a first great love over 40. It could be this, the next or the third great love. But calling in love over 40, one of the big blocks to that is believing that it's too late for me or I've got too much baggage or, you know, I've been through too much. I've experienced too much pain. I couldn't put myself through it again. Also, you know, to flip it, what we're bringing to the picture is our wisdom and our life experience. And because I'm so passionate about women learning to love themselves, which is a, a journey of getting to know yourself. It's a journey of healing. It's a, a journey of learning how to respond to life rather than being in reaction to your past pain and trauma and hurt. You know, self-love is so much more than a bubble bath and a bit of self-care. I'm very, very fierce about self-love. And I think it invites us to step up and have pers take personal responsibility for where we're at in our lives, how we're feeling and our experience of the world. And it, it invites us to love and have compassion for all parts of us from our you know, mental health and our belief systems, particularly healing our sabotaging beliefs and turning them into self-loving, kind beliefs. It invites us to address our emotional mastery and 
our yo-yoing emotions, perhaps, so that we are in a position of empowerment and able to have compassion and zero judgment for how we're feeling and find healthy ways to release and express our emotions actually on a daily basis so that we're not this sort of kind of what am I seeing in my mind's eye right now? Like a, a big pot of stew with the lid on, you know, like, and then it's boiling and bubbling and bubbling. And we're just waiting for the lid to just kind of explode and burst off. And like, we want to have that emotional mastery and self-love invites us to have that connection with ourselves. Same with learning to love our body and have confidence in our body and experience pleasure in our body and our soul, you know, having a spiritual connection with ourselves. If we want to be in love with someone else, if we want to have that empowered relationship with another human being, we need to have that empowered relationship with ourselves first. If we want intimacy with someone, we've got to have that with ourselves first. If we want vulnerability and emotional connection and soul connection with someone, we have to have that with ourselves first. So self-love is key to calling in your soulmate. Yes. And I think you touched on some really big points there. Firstly, that self-love certainly isn't what it's put out on a lot of social media to be. You know, if I, like you said, it's not, I have a bubble bath and, you know, I might treat myself to a massage. I mean, it's all very nice, but. It's great. It's all part of it. Like I'm no, de- no denying at all. Like that self-care is absolutely part of it and guilt-free pleasure and putting yourself first, absolutely part of it. And it goes deeper. And it goes much deeper because you really are talking about, learning to dial back so much of the self-sabotaging that women do, we're almost ingrained in us. And and I think there are none of us out there, or very few of us that haven't indulged in that kind of behavior, that apologizing for being alive and breathing half the time, that's, oh, I'm so sorry (laughs) for this or that. And it's also that we turn so much of things that don't work right, particularly in a relationship space, onto ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, a lot of the work I'm doing with women and and men actually is around masculine and feminine energy dynamics. That's a whole other topic in its own right. So we won't necessarily go there today. But, you know, self-love does invite us to heal any disempowered feminine and masculine pieces that are going on within us. So if you've got people-pleasing codependent patterns, that's a disempowered piece that needs attention. If you don't know how to put yourself first and you're always coming last, that's a piece that needs attention. If you're living in survival mode or constantly like busy and rushing and around the world and impatient and (laughs) exhausted, you know, this is this is all sabotaging behavior that is self-love invites us to address that. It's not about being perfect. But it is about loving ourselves enough to overcome the patterns of behavior we've learned and the the ways we've learned to show up in the world that that aren't serving us anymore. Yes. And I think there's two sides that love your view on that. I mean, one is that we definitely learn those patterns from our own parents and our sort of longer history around pleasing and our culture that that imposes that. And obviously different cultures are different. I mean, some are even more, it's more difficult to break out of that codependent, slightly subservient culture because you may be the only one. But there's also, as you said, that filling up your diary and rushing around the world and and always going, I'm so busy. (laughs) And that's a form of self, not self. I'm so busy. (laughs) 
Yeah, and we do that to, I don't know, but I've often felt women do that to look like they're worthy. Yes. Well, this is, and that's the piece, isn't it? We, in our society, we're starting to learn, but predominantly no one's taught us how to value the feminine, value being, value surrendering, value just, because you can't see that anything's being done. If it doesn't look, if, if it's not demonstrable, if it doesn't look like something is being achieved, then the assumption is nothing is happening. And yet, you and I both know that when we're connected to our bodies and we take time to just be and to feel our feelings and to surrender and allow ourselves to be in a receiving state, we're actually getting a lot done. But our masculine society hasn't learned to, you know, we haven't learned to value that. No, because masculine society is all about problem solving and action and goals and, and achievement. And that's needed in men and women, of course. Otherwise, we do nothing. And it's not about doing nothing. But you're right. It's amazing how much time, you, and I'm saying this to listeners, how much time you can gain back when you do nothing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's something to learn and practice before we actually believe it to be true and can have faith that it's, you know, it's safe to stop that because we're so competitive and we, we've subscribed to this idea of scarcity. There's not enough of anything for everyone. So we must push and strive and hurry and quick before everything runs out. And it's the same with dating. You know, a lot of well, it, it's the idea is all the good men are gone. There's not enough for me. It's never going to happen for me. And if I don't try really hard and get onto every app and every dating site and work really hard at it. It's never going to happen for me. That scarcity is an energy that we've chosen to buy into in the sort of patriarchal world that we live in. It's just not true. And when we're dialed into our empowered feminine, we can relax and surrender and allow him to arrive without the burnout. Well, dating apps, you mentioned those. I think if people think social media is toxic and time consuming, they are the worst. They're, I mean, and I realized that and I had to actually detox myself off them. So I've been there because they're validating all the time that you're okay. So you look to see, I wonder how many people have liked me or connected with me. And is there something wrong with me? Don't like my picture. Let's put one up when I was 10 years young. <laughs> yeah. And it becomes very competitive. And yes, I've actually heard things like that said out of the mouths of dating coaches that, you know, there's very few men, you know, in like a city in Sydney or in London, or oh, there's not really very men out, men out there. So you better grab this one quick. And that's about as dangerous as a situation as you can step into. Yeah, absolutely. And believing that there's not enough good men, like the good guys are taken. It's just not true. Well, whose definition of good is that anyway? <laughs> yeah. Good for one person doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, obviously, there are, there are certain criteria, but it's, but it's not about good men. I mean, and that often is dialed into the masculine of how much you know, money they have or status they have or whatever else. That doesn't mean they're better than the person that doesn't have those things. So beautiful. But we touched also on, on body confidence because that's a big issue, isn't it, for midlife, menopausal women? Yes, of course. And body confidence, I think, is an ongoing 
peace as we as we age and you know every every year we get older I, I think we're invited to have compassion and love for our bodies as it's constantly shifting and changing and yeah self-love does invite us to have a really deep connection with our bodies and to have compassion and forgiveness and acceptance of it if we don't have that with ourselves how can we expect somebody else to have that love and compassion for us for our bodies I think dating, when it comes to calling in love, it's it's about becoming the vibrational match to him. So what we think about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, what we feel about ourselves, our relationship to ourselves is always going to be reflected back to us in the relationships we attract in other people. So if you don't believe that your body is beautiful and perfect just as it is, that you are a spiritual being first and foremost that is just pure love and perfection and so valuable well beyond your physical appearance. You know, If you don't have that depth of relationship with yourself, how are you going to attract in somebody that will have that belief about you? Well, you won't. That's the thing. That's the big thing is you won't do that because what I see a lot is that we end up with people who criticize us because we're actually on a, not just a practical, you know, day-to-day basis saying how much we hate this or that, but we're actually saying that in terms of where we are with how we spiritually more deeply hold those beliefs that we're not good enough in some way that we're, and particularly as we get older, we see ourselves as in a polar opposite to what is held in society as being attractive. Yeah, yeah. And so where do we begin as women to begin unblocking some of that self-sabotage? What are some of those first steps women can take? I think awareness is always going to be the first step to change. So even, you know, when I was sharing my perimenopause journey, which continues, it's always awareness first. I mean, you know, to relate it back to perimenopause for a moment, the symptoms and experiences I'm having today are different to four years ago when it all sort of kicked off for me. And so it's continually checking in with myself and having that awareness of how do I feel and what's going on for me and choosing to compassionately become aware of what's going on for me and then allowing myself to receive the help and support I need as I go. So everything that you and I are going to be are speaking about and, and will continue to speak about today is raise pieces for women that might have them think, God, I need to be perfect. <laughs> I need to have all of these pieces, the tick box. And, you know, I need to have a great relationship with my body and I need to have a supreme emotional mastery and, and mental mastery, yada, yada. It's not about being perfect. It's about preparing yourself to such a degree that you do call in your match and then the journey continues. But in terms of whether you're calling in love or not, I think we're all here having a human experience where we're being invited to evolve and we're being invited to become more of, you know, we're we're being invited to connect with love over fear every single day. If you're conscious and awake, then you'll be signed up to that. And it, it starts any healing, any growth, any transformation begins with awareness and just choosing to take time every day to check in with yourself and ask yourself, how do I feel? What do I need? I mean, just that alone every day is showing a willingness to be connected with the higher version of you. Exactly. Exactly. And I think there we, those are very simple things, yet they're often the first step. They're often the biggest blocks we have because we've never taken the time. We're so busy 
the day has ended, we've crashed into bed and we've never reflected at all on that. And it only takes really a few moments to begin that process. It's not like we're perfect and we're perfectly aware. We never are. We always have lapses, never. But we can ask, you know, what do I need today? How do I feel today? Or if something goes wrong as well, there are days when we are freaked out. And I can share with you, I've been selling my apartment over the last few weeks. I haven't been a particularly <laughs> delightful person because <laughs> the, stre- the stress is huge. But I can at least admit that and say, okay, I'm now going to sit very quietly here for about 40 minutes. I sat very quietly still and put on my headphones and listened to a meditation because I knew that I had to. I was getting into a spin but we don't need to spend as long as that, do we? we have five minutes would be enough. Two minutes would be enough. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about trusting that your way of, you know, if you're being called, to, I mean, okay, let's use an example of somebody's listening to this podcast now and, I, and I've mentioned people pleasing and codependency a couple of times. And if somebody feels, gosh, I, you know what, that's a piece for me and it's not serving me and I desire to call in a new relationship or up-level the relationship I'm in so that we're not being sabotaged by codependency. And I would really like to do something about that. So right there is awareness. And self-love invites you to hold that awareness without judgment and also without having to know the how of the healing right now. It's like, just be willing, just in right here, right now, notice that, you know what, it doesn't make me feel good to be in this pattern of codependency. I'd like to heal that. And a beautiful prayer in that moment might go something like, even though I'm in a habit of codependency and I don't know how to heal, I'm willing to be shown. And right there, that's the surrender and the trust and the faith that our feminine energy has the capacity for. And we can just surrender into it without having to do anything straight away and trust that life, God, the universe, whatever your word is, will will guide you and show you the right next step for you to begin that journey of healing and allow yourself to receive the journey. So it might be a course, it could be a book, it could be, gosh, it could be a line in a song, but bit by bit, step by step, you'll be shown your way to healing. And it can be a beautiful, enriching journey and not another, you know, thing to do, add it to your to-do list. I'm exhausted. I've got enough on my plate. Bloody hell. What? Now I have to kill, heal codependency to call in my guy. What? It can be a beautiful experience. It can. And as you said, so simple because when we stop, we allow that energy shift to happen. It's not here. It takes a lot of time, but we open up to the possibility that something can change, as you said. And it can be so small. It can be meeting somebody, even if it's not even connected in any way to, to codependency. And somebody can just inspire you. As you said, it can be the line of a song, whatever. And it's so small, but you think, oh, yes, that moment. And we never know, we think if we're open to it, if we're, we're actually asking for it, it suddenly appears in our life. And then we have to trust, don't we? And follow that. Yeah, absolutely. So the first step is awareness and then willingness. That's really the first steps. Awareness and then a willingness to move into a different experience, to feel a different way. Yes. And it doesn't mean doing. I think that was a really important point. It doesn't mean that we have to do anything big at that stage. We have to just allow, don't we, to allow something to unfold. 
the work will come. I mean, I, again, I said I was fierce about self-love and, and self-love does invite us to do the work, to show up for ourselves. And if there are patterns and pieces that need some excavation and healing, then yeah, you do the work. I, I'm very big on that. But there's no rush and you'll be guided to when it's the right, perfect time for you with the right, perfect support for you. Yeah, that's very, very true. But yes, you're right. Doing the work is a big part of it. And there's a lot of different ways we can do the work, isn't there, Katie? Yeah, of course. There's an amount we can do on our own. There's an amount we can do through reading a book, taking an online class, to working with a therapist, to working with a you know transformational coach. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways to heal and move into different experience of life, of course, and we'll all find our own way. And there's no one perfect way for everybody. We've all got our own interesting, wonderful, miraculous route to healing. <laughs> That's very true. And, and it can take as long as it takes as well. There's not a time frame at all, is there? No. And I, I did, from my story, you know, I was single parenting for eight years before I met my now husband. And there was a lot of work there. So was, I was doing I was really committed to my my healing and my growth. And, you know, one of my biggest blocks to calling in love was not trusting men. I mean, fundamentally, I didn't trust them. That was a huge piece for me to overcome and heal. But it wasn't about getting that perfect. I healed it to the degree that I was available for a man to come in. And then now that I have my husband, and this is something we often talk about, it's still a piece for me very regularly where I have to surrender into trusting him or I have to say to him, do you know what? I don't trust you right now. My stuff's coming up, but he is the perfect match for me because he's available to hold the space for me when I go into self-sabotage or when I freak out that you know men can't be trusted you know, when I go into victim or whatever the behavior is that I have, because I, it's this old, deep, deep wounding and conditioning. I would say it's even in past lives, like I, it's, I feel like it's in my DNA to not trust the masculine. And so I continue to heal and evolve within the relationship. It's not about getting it perfect for him to come in. It's about meeting someone that's willing to go on the ride with you. I love that because I can relate to that. And I think many of us that are on second, third, fourth deep relationships would eventually find that we have to not just be, we're not perfect. We don't show up perfect in the next relationship and ping, there he is. We work and we work together as, as a couple because equally they will be on their own healing journey. It's not like women are only on it. They're also on their own self-love journey. It might look different, but there are moments when we have to. And I think you're right. Trust is a, is a huge one. And I think like you, you were eight years single. I was 15 years single. We have become incredibly capable and confident <laughs> in that we have to be. We have a small child to support. We don't have a choice really in that journey because we are often surviving because they have to survive. And we are then learning to make all the decisions. And then suddenly we're in a relationship which is about the both of us negotiating and learning to trust the other person to allow their point of view in and more on, on many levels. And that is a journey. 
I can tell you we've we've been fighting quite a bit over the new house <laughs> because I, he's saying things and I'm going, no, I know. And he said, can you just shut up for a moment and, and let me help you, you know, <laughs> you know, because I'm not used to that. I'm used to moving and doing and, and managing everything on my own. And there is a huge part in letting the other person be a part of those things. Yes, absolutely. That's a big piece, especially when you do get to a point, you know, we're talking today about, you know, calling in love over the age of 40. Well, us women, we're, I mean, by our very nature, we're pretty resilient and we're pretty capable. And most of us have, especially if we have been single for a while and, and single parenting, as, as you and I have experienced, like we can do all the things, you know, I can take the bins out and put fuel in my car and sort out my, you know, house insurance and dig in the garden and change a light bulb. Like I, I can do the stuff, but I've had to learn, like part of my journey actually has been about learning to surrender and allow a man to help and support me, allow him to to hold safe space for me. I mean, I didn't even believe I, I could surrender. I, I didn't feel like it was safe to surrender into the arms of a man, you know, let alone trust that he'll get stuff done around the house. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also that that surrendering, as you said, can have long links to whether we've trusted our own fathers, our previous relationships. It goes a lot further and a lot deeper than, than that. And, and when you've had those experiences, and, you know, today that's very common for us to have in some way had our trust broken by a man if we're in a heterosexual relationship or even if we're not, that we have to find a way around then and self-love is the key to that, to allowing, because it's more about allowing than it is about it being all fixed. Yes. So if you were to give the listeners some tips on how we even start on a journey beyond awareness and willingness where do we go? How do we, how do we begin to, to go to the next stages to bringing in the right man into our lives? I'm all about preparing to meet your guy. It's all about the preparation. So it's, it's you know, I was saying before, it's about becoming the vibrational match to what you want to call it. And, and just for clarity, when I'm talking about a vibrational match, what I'm referring to is the fact that we're all energetic beings and like attracts like from an energetic standpoint. So how you are feeling, what you believe about yourself, your patterns and habits of behavior are an energy and you will attract energies that match that. And so if you want to, if you're you know, looking to call in your guy, I could probably put money on the fact that you're desiring a pretty cool guy, right? You want a super lovely, kind, generous, trustworthy, you know, what you, you want the next level empowered man. You probably don't want there's certain things that you've experienced in your your dating life and your love lives that you don't want to have that anymore. So it's about, first of all, healing your heart and, and healing and the pieces that have hurt or sabotaged you in the past. And then getting really super focused on what you desire instead, because our habit is very much on focusing on what we don't want rather than the habit of of what we do want. And we get what we focus on. So you want to get into the habit of getting some clarity on what this next level super cool guy is that you want to call in. And the journey to that will require you to do some healing of your heart, healing of your relationship to the masculine, healing of your relationship to the feminine, healing, sabotaging behaviors like we've spoken about, you know, quitting people pleasing and codependency. 
it will be for most of the women I'm working with, it will be about really activating the feminine within and learning to trust that it's safe to be in your body, that it's okay to stop and to be. And the importance of that is moving into a receiving energy, a receiving mode for us to receive our man. We have to be in a receiving state. So when we're running around like a headless chicken, busy and ticking lists and doing all things and being all things for all people, there's no time to be in a receiving state to allow him to come in. There's no time to do our healing work and to connect with with ourselves. Yes. And I think, Hedid, that's why you often see some very, very powerful senior women that I've worked with have been my colleagues reach their mid-40s and they haven't given any space to allow somebody in. And they wonder why they're single. But, you know, you're chasing careers at the top of the ladder. Everything is about work. All your connections are about work. And then whenever you ask them what you're doing, they're like inundating you with everything they've done on the weekend. You just think, is there something wrong with me? Because I've sat down (laughs) a lot of the weekend. But there is that push, push, push. And I think they sometimes feel, why is it not happening? But if you're not creating vibrational energy space there's no space for this man to come in is there if you filled every available minute of the awaking day yeah i also notice that you know and without judgment there can be this kind of entitled energy from women as well and it's a bit and you know it's again i was saying this sort of distrust for the masculine can actually feel like it's in our dna it's just been part of our lives for as long as we can remember where we don't trust them we don't really like them sometimes it's a hatred towards the masculine that they'll they'll never be emotionally available they will never be trustworthy they'll never be able to hold me i will always have to perform for them in some way I, or I'll have to be on eggshells or they'll be judging me. Like all of these beliefs about men, you know, we ha- we're, we're invited to really drop that stuff. And we're also invited to take a look like if we really believe that about them, then there's a bit of a mirror there to, well, what do I believe about myself? I mean, do I emotionally, do I feel safe emotionally with myself? Do I feel safe to have my whole range of emotions? Because we women are, we have a huge emotional range. Do do I trust that it's going to be safe for me to feel my anger, to feel my grief, to really go there? Do I believe that I'm emotionally available? Do I believe that I'm, you know, all the stuff that we project onto the guys, we really have to kind of look back on ourselves and say, well, how, how am I doing with that? Am I judgmental? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and setting up unrealistic expectations of what this man is like. If we are setting such a high bar, the barely human who can meet a lot of these things, because we all have we all have failings. We're all days when we're low, days when we're we want to be left alone, days when we're not very nice to be around. I mean, that's that's part of human emotion. Emotions are there. How we respond to them is our choice, but we, you know, we are a roller coaster. And I think if we set very high bars, no man is ever going to meet that. You know, he becomes you may make him out of paper mache or something because he's not human either. No, we do expect a lot, and that's a lot for them to step up to. They are human, and we're all just humans. We're we're actually all just little kids in adult bodies, all trying to do our best. Part of the work to preparing yourself to call in your soulmate love is is actually often going to take you right back into childhood to heal that little girl inside that's desperate to be loved and held safe. Yes. Or maybe letting the little girl that once was there come back out to play, of course. As well. Yes, as well. So there's so many aspects to the preparation 
to, you know, the personal preparation to be a, being that vibrational match for him. But once we are, then we can attract that person, can't we? And I believe so. Yes. And it was my experience and yours and a lot of the women I'm working with. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I can say to this and I had to suspend a lot of judgment. You know, I had a lot of judgment. I'd carried that around. And at that moment, is he everybody's choice? <laughs> no, but then he's my choice. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's such a good point because there is just one. I know there's lots of different types of relationships, but if we're speaking to the relationship style where it's it's monogamy with one partner, it's just one. <laughs> and your guy, your guy thinks that you're fab. Your guy loves the package you come with. Your guy loves your age. He loves the way you look. He he He's fully accepting of the woman that you are. He even loves that you've taken the time to love yourself enough to prepare yourself to be the best version of you to call him in. He loves all that you are and the rest don't matter. You're only looking for one. He's looking for you. <laughs> you know, and I think it's really reassuring to remember that you're looking for one and he is looking for you. That's very true. And we can meet in ways we don't expect. And it can be with a person that just doesn't tick any of those boxes on, on, on a dating app. They don't. And I know because I talk to my husband about his own dating experiences and we've had, you know, how sad he felt at times and how he felt that he couldn't rescue some of these women because they wanted him to rescue him from a life they hated, from a person they hated. And he said, well, I can't do that. You know, that's not what I'm here to do for me as a human. And it was, it's very refreshing because I think there's, there's their side to the story as much as there's our own side being vulnerable for both of us to share and talk about openly about those things bring can often bring us closer together to understand each other more deeply. Yeah, that's so beautiful what you share there because, I mean, that's why you were the vibrational match to him because he was done with trying to fix women and you clearly had been on your own journey of empowerment so that you can come together with him and you are whole in your own right and willing to do the work and continue to do the work in your own right as he is as well. And from that place, you're in a position to be able to continue to support each other and hold each other. And you're in a position of knowing that he's not perfect. He's a fallible human just like you and guys are vulnerable just like us and they have fears just like us. It's really important that we don't expect them to be these sort of rock solid impermeable creatures. They're not. They're beautiful, sensitive souls, just like us. And I think we don't set expectations like we're going to be together forever. I mean, we don't know what that means and and that we have less of those external parameters. It's this moment and we're enjoying and building from this moment that makes such uh, the journey so much better than layering it with too much expectation that may or may not occur. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. (laughs) Katie, that has been lovely. And I think we can talk endlessly about this. My goodness, I know. I feel like we're just scratching the surface. (laughs) Because it's deep and it's deep work for the women who come to it. And it's, there are no quick fixes. And, and I would say to the listeners, I'm sure Katie would agree, there's no one out there who can fix your relationship and find you someone. And a lot of that can lead to a lot more heartache. You have to do your work 
um, being open. And then, as you say, the vibrational energy can bring you together when you least expect it. Who knows? You might be actively looking for love. It might just happen. It can happen on a bus. It can when we go out by bus again, or it can happen when you're, you know, somewhere out and about. You just don't know. But it's about you've healed and your energy attracts that person. Yes. One very final point, because I know we need to wrap up, that you bring a really, really powerful point there. And it's stop the endless searching on the apps. Stop the trying to figure out how to call him in. Where is he going to come from? What do I have to do to get him? And instead, put all of that energy and focus onto you and how you feel and what you need And if there's any pieces that you would like to personally up-level so that you're bringing your best self into your next up-leveled relationship, that's where your energy needs to go. Prepare yourself to call him in and allow him to arrive. Be in a position of receiving energy to be able to notice that he's there standing in front of you rather than having your head in the app trying to figure out how to find him. There's something to be said for preparing yourself and then allowing the miracles of life to happen. I mean, he might come in through an app. It, it could be that way, but there's you deciding the way he must come in isn't allowing for life to miraculously guide him to you. Exactly. I love that. Katie, how can people get in contact with you, learn more about the work that you do? Well, you could come and have a look at the school. So it's the school of self dot love is our website. If you want to get your journey started on, you know, learning how to love yourself, there's a it's called my love bites. You can sign up, just opt in to get our love bites. It's a seven day video training, completely free. Otherwise follow us on Instagram where the school of self dot love on Instagram. That's probably the two easiest, quickest places to find us. And I know I've got a little giveaway for you to share with your listeners as well. And that's wonderful. And for the listeners who've really enjoyed this, we're going to have the links to Katie's website, to Instagram, and the little giveaway in the show notes. And I absolutely encourage you to check it out. If you're looking for love, particularly if you're over 40 and menopausal, there is hope. There really is. (laughs) There really is. Absolutely. (laughs) Katie, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom to the listeners. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristiansen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.